Hey everybody, welcome to D3 Glory Days. Welcome back to D3 Glory Days to our loyal listeners. Noah and Stu here, as always, bringing you our last interview of the year. We'll have one more episode for you, but this will be the last interview. First things first, thanks to everybody who participated in our recent gear sale. Those purchases go a long way to keeping the lights on for this podcast. If you want to pick anything up, you can still go to our website and we'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes here and you can pick something up there. We're joined uh, this week by Aiden Ryan of Williams, really talented young athlete navigating this pandemic. So we're excited to bring you his story and Stu's going to tell you a little bit about his bio. Yeah, as you said, it was great to hear how Aiden navigated this current pandemic. He was the 2019 1500 meter national champion. And for those keeping track at home, he was only a sophomore when he won his first title. We started at the beginning of the pandemic and touched on how it impacted his junior year track season. He was coming off an amazing indoor season running 405 in the full mile, 808 in the 3K, and was part of a DMR team that fell 0.01 seconds short of having the best D3 time in history. Quite a remarkable season, bummed that it got cut short, but he's learned a lot through this pandemic. He has grown a lot as a runner. You know, as we always do, we learned how he was as a high schooler and how he quickly went from being middle of his pack to the top of his team in a short amount of time. And even though he ran some solid times, he still thought, that the D3 landscape was for him. That and so much more was covered in our conversation and we truly appreciate Aiden coming on. Yeah, I really enjoyed this one, Stu. I got to know Aiden personally over the last few months here in Boulder where he's been living and training. We were able to link up for a good handful of runs and he's just, he's a really good kid, tremendous talent, has a great head on his shoulders, who's excited about his future in the sport. And I think, uh, I think he's got, you know, a long, fruitful road ahead of him. So it was great to have him on the podcast here. And yeah, we're really excited for you guys to listen to it too. In the meantime, here is to the glory days and we'll talk to you soon. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Division Three Glory Days. Joined today by Aiden Ryan of Williams. Aiden, how's it going, man? Going great. Thanks for having so, me. Yeah, no problem. We're excited to have you on. You and I have been getting some, some running in uh, recently in person. Um, so you're not in school. You're in Boulder. Tell us, tell us about that. Uh, it's true. I'm not in school. Uh, we, uh, we knew pretty early on that our season was canceled. And uh, Williams has been pretty strict about you know, life on campus. I think they're doing a good job, but things are still pretty uh, restricted as far as, you know, what you could do as an athlete. So I think once I got the news that we weren't going back um, to normal, I decided this is as good a time as any to take some time off and, and just enjoy running for a bit. How'd you end up in Boulder? Um, did you consider other places or were you kind of set on this from the beginning? Yeah, I, uh, well, once I decided I wasn't going to go to school, I knew I didn't want to stay home because I live in Manhattan and I knew a semester just training in the city wasn't going to be great. So 
I just thought of Boulder was a place that I'd, I'd been for a, for a few days a year ago. I really liked it. I thought about Flagstaff too, but the friends that I moved out here with weren't so keen on Flagstaff. They wanted a little bit more, I guess, substance to where we were living. So Boulder it was. Let's break some news then a little bit here as we love to bring some D3 news. So are you currently enrolled? Will you have more eligibility then uh, once everything kind of quote unquote gets back to normal? I'm not enrolled. So I'm saving all the eligibility. Uh, my plan is definitely to go back to Williams next year. Um, still graduating from Williams. Uh, and then from there, who knows? I mean, technically I have some eligibility left, so maybe I'll use in grad school, but not really sure how that will work. <laughs> Stu's, Stu's fishing for some breaking news. <laughs> hey, we're, we're trying to get into a new market here. And so I figured <laughs> if we can get some big news, all of a sudden we're at, we're a media company then. <laughs> um, Aiden, what's your, what's your day-to-day like here in Boulder? Um, are you, are, and are you happy with your decision to kind of forego this semester or year of classes? Yeah, I, I, uh, I think I'm definitely happy I did this. It's been a little, little dull just because I wasn't able to find a job like I wanted to. I wasn't really expecting to, but you know, normally I wake up and do a run either with you or by myself <laughs> and then spend the day just sort of planning my next run out of the afternoon or next morning. Um, and that's been really nice, just having the day just be about running. Um, I do a little bit of uh, research on the side. I had a job over the summer for a professor at school. And I've sort of kept that up, but it's unfortunately wasn't able to get paid for it for the semester. Um, I ended up doing a lot of phone banking for the Biden campaign in North Carolina. So that was a lot of my day-to-day a few weeks ago. We've spoken to a few current athletes right kind of in the start of the cancellations of seasons and of kind of going back home. Now that we've had months of a new normal, which I don't really like that term, but you know, how has that reshaped your uh, view of running and how much, you know, do you value your teammates more than maybe you thought you did when you, you were with them every day? I definitely think those few first few months of being alone were pretty, pretty trying and definitely a, a test for me, um, I was a little banged up, so not running as much. Didn't have anyone to run with if I wanted to. And I definitely went through some swings of, of being pretty down about running. You know, who knows when things would get back to normal, when we'd be racing again. But then I'd have one good run after like weeks of feeling bad and my mind would change instantly and feel super high on running. And um, I stayed in pretty good contact with my teammates throughout the spring. In summer so talking to them probably more consistently through the summer than I would have was really nice um, just hopping on the phone and getting on calls and and staying in touch uh, I think this sort of remote training and everyone being on their own just sort of kick-started everyone to put in more effort to reach out and that's been really nice I'm sort of banking on the fact that eventually things will go back to normal and that next year we'll have a full NCAA season. Um, and once I sort of swallowed that pill that I wouldn't be racing probably at all for this year, I sort of changed, changed gears and got excited about having a really long base phase just because I've never 
you know, obviously as a, if you're running cross country in two track seasons, you never really get that many extended months of just being able to build up. Um, and I think that's been something that uh, I've been missing in my training. I think that's the, the biggest block for me is that aerobic side. So it, it's exciting to have the time to actually put in the work for it. You had a pretty stellar indoor campaign before it all got um, shut down. You know, you mentioned you have a really good base right now. Have you done any workouts or time trials that kind of indicate any sort of fitness uh, that you're in right now? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> um, I've been lately just doing tempos. Um, something that I don't, I haven't really done before, just a bunch of longer efforts. And I think just feeling good on those is a promising sign for me, just sort of feeling the stride sort of click into place. Um, other than that, like, I haven't really stepped on a track. I haven't really thought about time trialing. Um, but usually when, when long runs start to feel good, I know that I'm starting to get fit and I can still, you know, I still do my strides and I beat no all the time in the strides and that feels great. <laughs> I, I, I can attest to that. I've been crushed by Aiden, not only in strides where I lose 20 to 30 meters over, over 80 meters, but he also crushed basically my entire team on in the middle of a long run. So it, it, we know, we know he's fit. Um, hey, one thing that I saw you just did that I think the listeners would be uh, keen to hear about is you went up um, for some redemption on Magnolia Road um and had a really solid run up there can you talk about that run sure um yeah i just sort of i felt like yesterday would be a good day for sort of a midweek long run and uh went up and it was you know the strongest winds i think i've ever seen you know the car was shaking that reservoir up there had white calves with snow just blowing straight off the water the trees were looked like they were going to fall down um so I definitely wasn't super excited to start running, but uh, it was only really bad for the first couple of miles. And uh, you know, you just sort of coast down the hill. I started on the high end um, and yeah, just sort of, you know, that you have soft footing with the snow. So able to just sort of relax the whole time. Um, although I think you might be giving me more credit than I deserve. I, I, I'm not shy for taking some like view breaks, especially on something as pretty as Magnolia. So I took a couple, couple pee breaks, couple view breaks. I wasn't trying to go for any sort of course records. <laughs> I you you deserve some credit though, because you did even even with some breaks, which I didn't know about. But you know, thank you for being transparent. You at you averaged six oh six pace for the fifteen miles on Magnolia Road, which Magnolia Road um, has about fifteen hundred feet of total gain. Um, for those 15 miles and it's super difficult I, I don't think it's hard to really describe to somebody but this road is up um up around 8,000 feet um so it's very difficult and anyway it was an impressive effort I thought it was really cool it's it's uh you know one of the iconic runs in Boulder so it was neat to see you go up and uh you know send it a little bit well I, I appreciate your kudos <laughs> yeah this the, the kudos on Strava and now kudos podcast kudos as well yeah, so I think we should probably go back to the beginning. What do you think, Stu? Do you think, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Stu, take it away. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's great to hear, you know, how you're doing now, but let's take a step back and 
learn how you got to where you are today. You know, you went to Trinity School in Manhattan, uh, which is a pretty good school. It's, uh, it's a good, was it private school competition? So you got some strong people that kind of feeds into the NESCACs. I'm sure you've seen some former competitors currently teammates or still competitors now in the conference, but, you know, take us through maybe some of your high school days and uh, how you progressed as a high school runner and then how you ultimately ended up at Williams. Well, I got really lucky with my high school team. Um, I was really close to my coach. She was my coach at my middle school for a couple of years. She was the first coach I ever had for a real team. And then she left, she, she went to Trinity and then I ended up going to Trinity too. So um, having, having that sort of steady coaching presence was great. And she, she definitely was a huge influence on my running. Um, she herself was a great high school runner in North Carolina and ran in college um, and really was, really turned our program around in high school uh, people sort of didn't take running seriously before and that definitely changed. I just trusted her training and just every year I got a little bit better. I mean, I was not fast. I was also like five foot one coming into high school. <laughs> um, I think I weighed like 95 pounds, but, uh, yeah, I ran like five twenty ish freshman year. And then, yeah, just every year I got a little bit better. Um, my older sister was on the team. And she was also a pretty big uh, influence for me to, you know, stay on it because she was, she was older and people liked her and she took training seriously. So uh, I sort of let myself follow in her steps a little bit. And then uh, I finally made it to a state championship in junior year, which I thought was impossible for me, um, but ended up going pretty well, had a lot of fun, but I still didn't really think about running in college until that seriously until uh I guess after the spring um after that outdoor season and I sort of had a good summer training I guess for high school running 30 40 miles a week was great for me and uh senior year I just had some good cross-country races I got really excited about uh joining the Williams team and that sort of just fueled my indoor and outdoor season. And I had a, a nice stretch in indoor, right? It was just PRing most of the races I was in. Ended up going to uh, the Milrose games for the high school mile and seeing all those pros, you know, race like either right after me or right before me or warming up and doing strides right behind like Centrowitz was super inspiring. And being able to see those type of athletes that close made me really want to, you know, keep seeing those type of athletes and try to try to do all I could to, <laughs> to get close to them, you know? So that really propelled me through the end of high school and into college. Was it Williams or nothing? Uh, were you looking at any other schools, you know, was the difference between division three and division one, something you considered at all, or did you, were you set on that school kind of the begin from the beginning? I wasn't that good. I think division one was sort of out of the picture for me. I didn't really have any interest from D1 coaches. The closest I got was the Columbia coach who messaged me on Facebook just because 
I would walk to school every morning and walk home and I, I'd see him sometimes I'd see him three times a day because that's where they practiced. <laughs> uh, so if whether or not that was a courtesy text that he sent me, either way, I talked to him the day that I sent in my Williams application. So D1 was, I wasn't really considering D1. Other D3 schools, I did it overnight at Johns Hopkins and I did an overnight at Williams and that was it. Um, Coming from a city, I, I decided Baltimore was was not really what I wanted. Wanted to go to the woods, and Williams had that. I mean, it's probably unfair, but I think just the fact that my tour was on a really beautiful day in Williams sold it to me. That morning, I was at Amherst, and it was cold and overcast and drizzly, and I just didn't like it, probably because of the weather. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just we drove up Route Two to get to Williams, and the sun came out and it's a really beautiful drive, like goes through gorgeous valley, follows this amazing river and things just open up in front of you in the valley below. And there was Williams nestled in. I sort of thought I could see myself here and I was, uh, I was right. I feel like I want to go to Williams now. <laughs> yeah, you should. That, that, that was such a <laughs> lovely description. <laughs> so as you finished up your high school career, you know, you mentioned, quote unquote, you weren't that good, but looking at your mile split, I mean, you had some really strong times. Did your perspective change when you, you know, you've capped off your high school career with a 414 and a 909. Did that change the way you kind of thought about yourself going into college and to the division three level? Not particularly. I think that, no, I was definitely really, really happy with those times. Um, it, was a, it was a place I did not think I was going to be just, you know, a year prior, but I sort of kept, kept myself in check. Uh, I had some success at the state championships, but I, I always sort of felt like it was a weak year for New York. So I didn't really put that much weight on it. Um, and in the same year at Williams, uh, former Williams runner, Peter Hale had, had won a couple national championships. So I knew that I was still small potatoes compared to some of the guys in at the D3 level. So I wasn't really thinking that I was coming in anything with anything super strong, um, which is true. Cause you know, there are plenty of D3 guys that come in with the times like that. So, and plenty, and even more D3 guys that end up having times like that when they're, you know, upperclassmen. So. What was your transition into your freshman year of college? Like um, I imagine you were the best guy on your high school team um when you got to Williams where did you kind of fit in um you know in the pecking order on the distance team yeah I was super excited to come in as as you know a small fish and learn from some other guys and uh there was you know the first workout we had you know the lead pack of of all these all these really good d3 runners I just I thought were so so fit so fast so amazing um and they were sort of doing the workout ahead of me and no, I thought that I thought that I was I had a ton of ton of work to do to catch up. But then we had we had a race, and I ended up coming in second on our team at just a small six k in Montreal. And uh, I sort of chalked it up to it being the first race of the season. Maybe the other guys were just sort of tempoing. But then we had another race at Paul Short, and I ended up being our first finisher. And I was I was a little bit uh. I guess nervous that I was I had finished first on our team in our first 8K, but I guess I I kept telling myself you know some guys were injured 
they'll they'll catch up. And eventually they did. I I did not. I was not our first finisher for the whole season. But uh, um, yeah, pretty much immediately I was I was in the top pack. And but you know you always still have guys that are better than you at whatever workout you're doing. For me, being pretty underdeveloped aerobically, there are plenty of dudes who will kick my butt up hills still, and plenty of dudes who will you know, keep me honest on the track because they're, they're better 800 runners than I am. So uh, being in the front, but still having a lot of guys was, was always fun. So from, from the first few weeks of, of school. That freshman year, you guys made it to the national meet and, and finished 13th, you know, with a historic program like Williams, you know, how did coach Farwell kind of handle that 13th place finish and how did that kind of shape uh, your class and the class above you kind of moving forward? Yeah, Pete, uh, I think, took that 13th place a lot better than we did. Uh, I mean, he was really proud of us. Um, I mean, I think he'll always be proud of, of people racing hard, which is good. Um, when we certainly did that day. But that was all season. We were sort of, sort of felt like we were a man down uh, the whole time. We felt like we were not running to our potential. Um, we had, we had just lost early in the season, like a, a long streak we had at our little three meet against Wesleyan and Amherst. It was the first time we lost in 27 or eight years. So that was sort of a gut punch. And then regionals, we finished fifth and sort of squeaked into nationals, another gut punch. We were lucky to get 13th, I think, but I think we also were, we, we left with a bad taste in our mouths. We had a lot of, a lot of guys who just weren't, weren't very happy with the, with how that race went. And I think a lot of the younger guys sort of took, took that as, as like a low point that they didn't want to go back to. And luckily we, we haven't yet <laughs> gone back to, gone back to that. So that definitely inspired, I think the, the sophomores and freshmen to start training harder. Your first year when you were already, you know, kind of a performance leader on the team, um, were you also stepping in as kind of a, team captain per se or did you kind of leave that that level to somebody else because it's kind of difficult for a young runner to also to be like leading the team in terms of performance and like you're like how do I step up and also lead the team um you know on an emotional level or do I leave that work to somebody else I'd say definitely not uh <laughs> we, we have a pretty big team um and we I think we pride ourselves and not always you know uh, prioritizing just whoever's winning races and, and leading workouts. Um, I mean, we have a lot of, a lot of natural leaders who aren't necessarily the fastest guys. And certainly as a freshman, I was far from <laughs> a team leader. Um, just cause we had a lot of upperclassmen, a lot of sophomores, tons of freshmen. Um, and yeah, I'd say I'd say even even last year as a junior, we just had a really strong senior class. I never really considered myself a, a captain type just because we had really strong captains um, to lead us. So I guess next year when I get back, maybe I'll feel like a, a super senior and then I'll finally be able to feel like a captain. Although technically I'm a captain this year for just uh, doing so remotely. You, you're coming off a high with your first year cross country, you know, running the national meet, feeling good. And then you look at your T-Freeze and you have only two results all track season. You know, what happened? Where were you? Were you hurt? Take us through that track, first track season. Yeah, I got hurt. Um, one of the first workouts we had for the cross-country season, I 
started feeling a pain in my in one of my toes got worse and worse over the couple of weeks i tried to train over it on it over winter break and it went really poorly i finally got it looked at um turned out i had a tear of the joint capsule like right on the the joint of the metatarsal which is sort of a weird random injury but uh nonetheless it kept me out from pretty much december to april it should have been a shorter injury i think if i had known what it was sooner and done the right rehab sooner i would have had some indoor races and certainly some more outdoor races but yeah i was injured for pretty much all of indoor and most of outdoor a lot of stationary biking um that was that was a tough way to start a uh, collegiate track yeah but we'll we'll get to it but you definitely you definitely bounce back uh in a in a positive way you kind of mentioned this when you ran at mags and um when we talked to Bijan, he kind of alluded to it as well the Williams team loves to go up mountains and, and take a look around, uh, you know, describe some of those routes that you guys have there in Williamstown and some of the maybe more traditional routes that you guys love to go on and, and see some good views at. Yeah, we're big on, uh, we're big on breaks at Williams. Definitely the man- mandatory P breaks, mandatory view breaks. Um, and there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of good view breaks. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, one of the, great runs we do is um, just starts off pretty much 10 minute dirt hill and uh, has a couple of really nice views along the way. And then we sort of descend back down onto another dirt road. Um, that's a pretty classic route that that goes along uh, the sort of two main roads in Williamstown, 43 and seven. There's near, not too far from campus, uh, something called Mount Hope. It's this mansion owned by or used to be owned by, I think, the Rockefellers. And that's sort of been converted into a, I don't really, really know what it is. I think they use it during senior week for graduation purposes, but there are great views up there. There's a nice trail that you can go up and get an overlook of the valley. Um, and then right on campus is Stonehill, which is owned in part by the college and part by the Clark Museum, which is our art museum on campus. And that also just has amazing views of, of some, some cows and some farmland, just the valley below. Um, so we have we have a lot of really nice views on our runs, which is nice. Um, Love looking at cows. Nothing nothing better than looking at some cows, right? Nothing better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are, yeah, we we pride ourselves of uh of it. You know, take a good look in the mirror every now and then. Um, and then I guess the most I, I can't forget most iconic route is just Blair. It's our standard like six mile loop. And that involves a pee break at mile two, and then we climb up a bunch of hills, and then another pretty long view break at the top. So you mentioned your track injury kind of took you to April, which gave you then plenty of time to switch gears and kind of come back to put in a base for cross country. Um, what was your mentality like, you know, coming off, coming off an injury, but also preparing um, for the season coming up since you did have enough time to do that? Mm-hmm. I, uh, I was really worried about, you know, missing the time and missing the opportunity. I often think about, you know, it's almost being like rungs on a ladder and that you just have to sort of keep climbing and then having a big injury, uh, being worried that you're missing the, you know, missing rungs that you have to skip steps to get to where you would have been if you had been healthy. Um, which, 
in retrospect, I don't think is a very accurate way of looking at it just because you could keep training hard while you're injured. But I had a couple, a couple races in outdoor that were, that were okay. And then we actually did time trial at the very end of the season, just me and another teammate just got on the track and we had some pacers sort of like, uh, I guess the Ineos breaking two project style. Like we had some people sort of cycle out, <laughs> so it wouldn't have been legal, but. Do you have a Tesla out there? Uh, yes. Yeah. We had a Tesla <laughs> out there. Um, super. Yeah. A few years before it was released, it was super exclusive. And I ended up, you know, we both PR'd in that race and that gave us a lot of confidence uh, just both in that we, we PR'd. I was thrilled to, feel like I had still made improvements off of my senior year of high school, having been injured. And coming off of that, I was, I was ready to, I knew I was ready to attack a summer of training uh, to, to moderate success. I still, still didn't really figure out what a summer of training really meant for, for college cross country, but um, it gave me a lot of, a lot of excitement. What was the team mentality going into that year? You know, you look at the final results and there wasn't a senior on the national or at least who ran at nationals. It wasn't a senior. So was this the year to like go for, or was this a building year? You know, how did you guys view uh, the 2018 season? Uh, there was definitely uncertainty knowing that we, we didn't have too many seniors at the front, knowing that, you know, it could go pretty well. It could also go pretty not well. There was a lot of there were a lot of people who stepped up in pretty major ways, just because there was that void of of seniors in the front of the pack. So it was sort of anyone's shot to just go be a, a team leader in workouts. Ryan Cox ended up fulfilling that role uh, pretty well. I think we were sort of competitive for the first bit of the season, going back and forth who was leading, and and he pulled away pretty decisively. But uh, it was good. To, <laughs> He pulled away well. I mean, he had such a good finish in Nationals. He was well-deserved. Um, so, yeah, the race was sort of nerve-wracking. I mean, not having a ton of experience standing on the starting line, having a false start, uh, that race, too, was, was, uh, didn't help the nerves. Um, but I think we, we, just sort of, we knew that we were not a team that was going to win. We, but we also thought we could improve a lot on – our previous year, I think we were all fairly fit. Um, so yeah, I guess we just sort of we just sort of went for it um, without much expectation, which was a pretty healthy way of racing. That give you momentum then heading into that track season. I mean, you guys finished eighth. All your guys are coming back, and then you're finally healthy. You know, how did you feel heading into your sophomore year indoor campaign? I was feeling all right. Um, I wouldn't say I was feeling amazing. I didn't, I didn't think I run particularly well at nationals. I was, I forget what it is, half a second, a second, second and a half off of being an All-American. So I was pretty bummed. I thought I, I could have done it. There were a bunch of sophomores who did a lot better than I did that day. I wasn't super sure about my fitness. I mean, I knew I had improved, especially just, you know, running, running long runs and, and tempos and things like that. But didn't have a good uh, measure for it. Uh, then we ran a 5K in early December with a bunch of guys who were going abroad for the spring. And that went pretty well. And then I thought like, oh, okay, that was a better 5K than I thought. Um, I ended up beating Ryan, who obviously just had that stellar performance at nationals. So 
that got me thinking I could, I could do pretty well in the events that were more my style later on in the season. Yeah. You started that indoor season with like four or five wins in a row. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't go to very big meets, so. Hey, 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 <laughs> it's that. division three. We, we take the wins. Okay. You don't have to qualify it. It's... <laughs> I'll take those wins. I'll take the wins. <laughs> but I mean, regardless of like how big the race is or whatever, I mean, stacking a few wins together is good for your confidence, right? Yeah. It, it was good to get a bunch of races in just sort of remind myself what it's like to, to be racing pretty consistently um, just cause I hadn't had that the year before. And it was good to get in some, try to get in some holes and, and dig myself out and try to muster up some sort of finish for races. And, and that ended up serving me pretty well for uh, the postseason. Yeah. Prior to that, to the national meet, you run 820 and 414. Did that give you some sort of validation that those races in high school weren't just, you know, one in a fluke type situation where you're like, all right, I'm back to where I was. I'm ready to roll. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I thought that I had finally sort of overcome any sort of high school standard that I had for myself. Uh, I think I was feeling like a, a different runner than I had a, the two years before. That 820 was against Clark Richard Deli. And uh, I knew he was in monster shape. I knew he was super fit. And I just, I just stuck behind him the whole race. Poor guy. <laughs> Just leaving the whole time but yeah my teammates were, were going nuts for me and I, I ended up having what felt like my best kick of my life in that race and I you know the race finished and, and Clark you know was talking to me and saying that he thought I could do really well at uh, the national meet which I hadn't really considered I, I knew the time was good but I hadn't thought about being able to, to actually mix it up with the with those front runners so that gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about your national meet experience in the 3K, how you were feeling, you know, must have been feeling a little bit confident going into it, but you also had to get through a prelim before the final. How, how did you handle that? Yeah, I was, I mean, I was really nervous. The, you know, I'm sure you remember being sort of corralled and, and waiting for the race to start. And No, I, I never made the indoor national meet. <laughs> Well, they did that for outdoor too. You know, just having to wait. I, did, I made one of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get shuffled out onto the track and let you do your strides. And I was definitely not really sure of, of how I do, but because they break up the heats, I knew I was, I was one of the better guys in my heat. So I just tried to stay calm. The race sort of broke open when uh, Lucas Mueller from Carlton took the lead. And I just, I went with him. And then before I knew it, we were, we had a lot of separation on the pack. So that immediately took all the pressure off and sort of coasted through the prelim. And then, uh, yeah, for the final sort of similar story, pretty nervous, but it ended up playing out pretty similarly where Lucas Mueller took the lead and pushed the pace. Um, a couple of the North central guys were there and pushing the pace. And then I just tried my best to kick and ended up getting a little bit of, separation on fourth place at least <laughs> and then come in third and maybe Stukin wants to go back here but th th this race kind of flipped a switch for you I mean after after finishing third having that huge result indoors you don't lose a race until you get to outdoor nationals in the 5k I definitely felt pretty good about finishing third 
to two dudes who I really respected as runners. I mean, Greg Morgan, who had won, he was coming off of an amazing season with the best 3K and mile times. Um, and then Drew Patel, who got second that race, was obviously having a monster year. I was pretty happy that those were the dudes who beat me. Felt like good company to be in. You know, coming coming in outdoor, I was ready to, to run some some 1500s, which were, I guess, is more my my favorite race just because it's it's so short and fun. And uh, yeah, I came out swinging in spring break and had some pretty early wins, and that just sort of built on top of every race and kept on kept on running well, kept on you know practicing my kick and. Uh, ended up ended up going pretty well that season. Yeah, I want to talk about your your self belief in a way because if you look on paper, you know your two prior national meets, you're what ninety first and forty second, and then all of a sudden you come out and get third in the indoor three k. Uh, and then if you look at your fifteen hundred meter on paper, you know your PR prior was four oh two, and then your first then your sophomore year you run three fifty. You know those are significant jumps on paper. But obviously, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes in your head. You know, take us through where your confidence, where your self-belief comes from to make, you know, really significant jumps. Yeah, um, I think part of the confidence going into sophomore year was that I'd run that time trial at the end of freshman year. And I ended up running uh, 354. Um, So it's not quite as big of a jump. (laughs) Um, So I knew that I had made progress freshman year having still been injured a lot of my teammates had success uh one of my teammates had just been uh a 1500 all-american that season um tristan kalizi so he was still around to to train with i think a a lot of us felt like we were all due for a breakout on our mid d group i think it was sort of a coin flip for who would break out first (laughs) But we were all having good workouts, hitting times that were indicative of good races. And our, our coach, Dusty Lopez, was pretty reassuring that, you know, we were making good progress and that the times would come, or at least we would race well. So just having having that good core group that and everyone believed, you know, everyone believed that we would be we'd be running well. And certainly my teammates believed in me. And that was a huge, huge push. It sounds like you kind of had an experience kind of similar to what I would say I had, like coming out of high school, you weren't working extremely hard, you know, you were running fairly low mileage, but then you get into a college system, you have better runners around, you're doing a higher level of training, and you kind of have this opportunity to reinvent yourself as a runner and surprise yourself consistently, and then eventually you kind of get to that point where success kind of begets more success, right, because you know, you be, you become an 825 guy and then, and then all of a sudden you're looking higher than that. The bar keeps raising and the possibilities keep widening. That must've been a pretty exciting time in your running career. Yeah. It was fun to be, be hitting times that I hadn't really thought about too long before that. (laughs) Um, And it was, it was even more fun to have a lot of teammates who were, who were there to, you know, push and workouts and, and everyone, everyone was walking around feeling like they were also, you know, 350 guys, for example. And just having that sort of group confidence 
was, uh, I think, did, you know, did us a lot of good. Um, I mean, we ended up having two All-Americans for the 1500 that season. And I think we would have had more this year had we had, uh, had, we had the chance. Um, but yeah, I, it sounds, that, that definitely rings true of, of feeling like, you know, the, the times were, were starting to come things are starting to fall into place and that, you know, these, these goals that seemed lofty freshman year that, you know, maybe you'd get made fun of if you announced that those were your goals, you know, to run close to a four minute mile, um, you know, having those doors sort of start to open and, and see that as a possibility is very exciting. At what point in the outdoor season did you believe that you could win uh, the outdoor 1500 meter title? I think with about a lap to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I mean, the the other guys in the race were just, you know, going in better than I was. I, I knew that my PR was I don't know, eighth on the list, I think, something like that. So I knew I'd I knew I could have run faster than my PR, because that was a from a solo effort we did it in a home meet, but you know, I still hadn't run faster than that. You know, who knows whether or not I would have run faster. I think I just had to trust my my kick. I think I knew I knew that I could I could mix it with those guys just because the prelim went really well. Similar story to indoor. Like we got some separation, like top four, and it was top four auto qualifiers. So we sort of knew we were we were into the final, and it felt super easy running something I don't know like a fifty nine high, something like that for the last lap. And it had never felt so easy to run that fast. So I knew I was, I knew I was peaking well for a kick and then the race was going slowly. I decided to, you know, I, I knew that I probably wasn't the fastest 200 runner in the mix. Um, there were some really fast 800 guys. So I took the lead and then with like 500 to go, my, my coach just sort of yelled at me, like you made your move, like stick to it. Like there's no going back now. So. I just kept pressing and to my surprise, <laughs> stayed in the lead. Yeah. Walk us through the, the moments after you crossed the line. What, uh, what was your reaction? What was your coach's reaction? Um, yeah. To talk us through that aftermath a little bit. I guess I was, I was just relieved <laughs> to finish the race just because I was nervous the previous two minutes, roughly I was in the lead and you know, the whole time being nervous, just like, well, when's, when am I going to lose this? When's someone going to just blow me out of the water? What, like, when, is, when am I going to see someone come up on my shoulder? So to have that just be over was a relief. <laughs> and I was, I, I was just sort of surprised. Um, I knew I had just run the race of my life. I knew I had just kicked better than I ever thought I could, certainly with the fastest lap that I'd ever run in any mile race. And then I, I turned around and, and got to see my, my teammate just barely, barely edge out the eighth place All-American spot. And that was super exciting too, just sort of, you know, standing with him, waiting for the name to come up on the board to see if he got it. And then he did, so we were thrilled. And I was just, yeah, I just remember being really excited to see my coach. I know he, I mean, I knew he'd be thrilled with our team performance. And it was just, it was great to just see him run out to the tent and, I was happy for him to, to be the coach who gets to go to the tent because the coach gets to hand out the awards. So I was really happy he got to do that for both of me and my teammate. Um, so that was a good moment.
something that's kind of been consistent throughout this uh, talk is you keep mentioning your teammates, you keep mentioning your coaches and how that kind of strong that relationship has been. You know, you, you mentioned how much momentum then your whole team was carrying from that track season into 2019 cross country season, what we, the most recent one, I guess we've, we've had, you know, you on paper, you guys return everyone, but I'm assuming, and you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong here, you guys weren't really focusing on the outcome of that season. It was probably more so staying with each other, being there for each other and just having fun every day. So kind of take us through the 2019 cross country, you know, season behind the scenes. We were definitely excited. Um, you know, it was the first time we were all experiencing that sort of excitement of, of maybe being, you know, favorites for, for something like a national championship. We knew we had the numbers. Um, we knew we had guys who were coming in off of good training, who were fit. We had a few early workouts that blew previous years completely out of the water. Um, we had a, you know, a couple early meets that we did super well at. Um, maybe to our detriment, um, having success super early in the season. You know, it'd be nice to say that we were only focused on just having fun and enjoying, enjoying the process, but we had a lot of conversations about nationals throughout the season. Um, I mean, we, we really wanted to win that race. <laughs> um, I mean, we, just, we, we would just talk about all the different ways it could break down and, and you know, what, what we would need to do in order to win, like what it would take. And, I think we had what it took to win, uh, just just not on that day, <laughs> unfortunately. But it was a great season. I think even though we, we were very focused on the national championship, we still had, you know, all of us had the best season we've ever had, you know, as a team. So that, that was not lost on us, luckily. Um, we did have a lot of fun, a lot of great workouts with people running fast and a lot of fun meets, um, you know, it, definitely felt good to win together so yeah having been an Amherst for that season I'm pretty sure we were at every single uh meet with you all and so I got to watch you win a lot of a lot of meets and something that kind of stuck with me was you raced very similarly to Ian Lemire who I got to see win a couple of races when I was coaching somewhere else but I mean it's early in the season and you're you know kind of going from the gun and kind of testing anyone to come with you was that the plan to just go out and run your own race and not really care what Alvin Oss is doing or, you know, how did you feel during those early season, early season races, just being out front and dominating? I, that was not the plan, or at least that was not my coach's plan for me. <laughs> um, I think one of the things we've been working on is my, you know, my patience and racing maturity. <laughs> um, because that's also sort of been a theme, just not being very patient in races. Um, I think early on, I was definitely feeling more fit than I'd ever been. Uh, definitely felt like I was faster than I'd ever been and wanting to, I guess, feel a little validation, um, feel like those were you know, correct feelings. And I, I also just being competitive, like, you know, I, I would, go out to the lead early, but then there'd be someone next to me early in the race. And I just say to myself, like, like what are they doing there? I, I gotta, I gotta put a gap on if I, if I think I'm this fit, like no one should be able to, to run with me right now. Um, or at least in the races we were in. So 
I think probably immaturity was why I was taking the lead so often. Did you kind of feel like you had something to prove? I mean, you, you'd been running extremely well on track. Your cross country career to this point was, was good, but like nothing that would quite indicate that you were, you know, going to win everything preseason or, you know, before the national meet and then run extraordinarily well at the national meet too. Um, Were you kind of setting out to, to say, Hey, like, you know, I'm good at the 15, but I can be a cross country guy too. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I made it my mission that summer to get better at running hills just because I've always been, I think, on my team, at least with my training group, so famously weak on any sort of hill workout. I, I really just wanted to, to show myself that I could, I could be an all-around runner. I definitely, all my conversations with, with my coach have, have been about, you know, pursuing just being a good runner rather than just, you know, a 1500 guy or a 5k guy or a cross country guy. So I I definitely had that uh, on my mind throughout the season. So, so yes. (laughs) Moving to to that national meet, you guys put seven in the top 13 in the new England region, which is pure domination in of itself, but then you throw in the new new England region and it's like, Oh crap, these guys are ready for next week. Louisville, it's sloppy. It's muddy. I think one of your teammates went down who was uh, McGovern, I think went down. Um, Gannon went down. Okay. Yeah. So a top five guy goes down. You probably don't know that you're, you know, you're competing for the national title individually, as well as for your team. You know, how much pressure at that point then? I know you, you touched on that. You guys were talking about it a lot, but you look at, you know, whoever covers division three is, you know, ranking you guys pretty high right now. And uh, I think we talked to Bijan uh, during that time and he's like, these guys are going to win and all that stuff. So, you know, kind of take us through that night before the race and then waking up to seeing the course just completely destroyed. Yeah. The night before the race, I guess we were nervous. Uh, you know, we're at the banquet, just sort of seeing all the other teams. Um, funny you bring up Bijan. Uh, Bijan came up to us at the banquet the night before because uh, he was with Caltech. And he didn't really say good luck. He said, don't worry. I have you guys winning on my calculations. And we didn't really want to hear it from Bijan. All respect to Bijan. I like Bijan. But <laughs> um we, yeah, we, we didn't love hearing like, oh, we, I'd be winning, but I have your like variability at this. So you guys could get in sixth. <laughs> so we didn't love that either. So we were, we were definitely nervous. I think there was a lot of, you know, that, that whole buildup. We all knew, you know, this is what, it, this is what the season's for. Like, here we are, <laughs> don't mess it up. And then, you know, getting out of the next day was cold, sloppy, sort of classic vintage cross country people were nervous. We had, obviously, it was a lot of seniors um, on our team, but it wasn't a lot of experience with having that sort of all or nothing race experience um, or having that, that same build up to, to one race. Um, like that was pretty new to a lot of, a lot of guys. Um, I think that in the back of our minds, we thought the conditions weren't are you know playing to our strength just because we had a few a few more maybe track oriented guys who whose stride is definitely better for a track and then uh yeah i i knew the race wasn't going perfectly (laughs) i mean i wasn't feeling amazing 
you know, I, I was sort of struggling to maintain contact with that lead group. And then I'm sort of banking on the fact that my teammates would be really close behind me if I'm having a bad race. Um, but then seeing my coaches' faces, you know, having their expressions change from like, oh, good, be patient to like, you can't lose any more spots. Uh, you need to stay with this pack. That was a new <laughs> expression to see on my coaches' faces. So uh, things sort of unraveled. Yeah, you mentioned someone fell around the halfway mark and his back spasmed and he came in something like fourth to last, something like that. Another guy lost a shoe, pretty much the same mud pit. <laughs> um, so he was running one shoe for a while and came somewhere in the 40s. So things things didn't, you know, fall our way, but we also, you know, other teams, other teams did run well in the mud and and we maybe weren't as fit as we thought we were or or we weren't as you know mentally uh, strong as we thought we were and you know, I guess that's how it goes in cross country. You just sort of have to run through the mud. I just want to make sure that everybody listening knows how close this race actually was, so I'm going to just read off the first few team scores. So Pomona Pitzer won with a score of 164. North Central was second with 182. And then you guys, Williams, were third with 183. Um, WashU was behind you with 193. And so the scores of this race were incredibly tight. Um, it was a great race. And it's interesting to hear you, you know, talk about your coach's reaction because it, yeah, I mean, you guys were right in it the whole time. And granted, you may not have been as far up as you um, wanted to be, but with the mishaps that occurred to some solid guys on your team, to be that close, pretty cool still. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was still, in retrospect, I mean, we're on the podium. Like, that never happened. Like, I've never been a part of that before. Um, none of us have, you know. It was it was great to still have, you know, a strong effort and, walk away with, with some hardware. <laughs> um, it was definitely uh, bittersweet being so close and knowing that maybe if things were a little different, you know, that things would have been a little different, but, you know, I guess it's just what ifs at that point. Um, so we were, we were not super happy campers for a while after that race, uh, but, but, you know, we, we, were, we were still really, really thrilled with how the season went. Yeah, I mean, that's part of sport, especially sports where you really only get one big chance every year. It's like you have this opportunity and to miss that opportunity is extremely hard to swallow. But there are some silver silver linings to it, especially for you as an individual. I mean, to come out and finish 10th, um, you know, an improvement by like 30 some places, your first cross country All-American you know, at an individual level, that had to be satisfying, especially looking forward and knowing that you had another chance. Yeah, I think knowing that I have another shot at it was what saved it for me. I was looking to, you know, to be in that top mix of, of the top few guys. Um, so it was tough to sort of fall short, have them have them break away from me, um, just because all season that hadn't been happening. But I mean, they were incredibly fit and raced incredibly strongly. So like, you know, what do you, they did beat me, <laughs> you know, they ran great races. So that's, you know, what are you going to do? 
in the brief uh, indoor season that we had, I think the biggest statement you could have made was following up with your performances. And off the gun, December 1st, you go run 808, which is now seventh all time. And funny enough, it breaks your school record barely from Peter Hale, who you mentioned. So that's a great way to start off, you know, your indoor campaign leading the nation, but I guess you got, you got dinged a little bit with the conversion, but um, you still ran 808, you know, how did that set you up mentally for the season? I know you and your teammates then collectively ran very strong and had a, a DMR race that we'll get to, but kind of take us through what that 3k did for now looking back did for your limited indoor season. I, I wasn't sure if I was going to race that race. Um, I sort of felt like I was going to go, you know, relax over Thanksgiving and see how I felt. I think my coach had better instincts than I to have me race. <laughs> I think I wanted to maybe mope around a little bit more uh, than he, he wanted to let me. So, you know, he, he said it was, it was go time. So we had a few track workouts, um, was feeling really good. And then, you know, pretty quickly was feeling okay about the cross country season again, just because, you know, I, it was a good reminder of just that I had built up all this fitness. I had, I felt like I had, had taken some pretty big steps as a runner. Yeah. I, I went in thinking I could run this beat the school record. I, I, would, I wasn't very vocal about, but that being my actual goal, but just because Peter Hale had such a great season when he ran that race. Um, so to, to go in and, and, you know, stick with some pretty fast guys in that race and, and end up running uh, a much faster time than, uh, than my PR was very validating for, uh, for the fitness I had built. And um, also just super exciting to go into the whole of the indoor season already having taken care of, you know, something on my list. Hearing, you know, hearing that validation, did you have conversations then with your teammates to be like, all right, what are we going to do next? Like, we need some sort of rebound from that national meet, you know, did that DMR, you guys are in 946, which I think it's what 0.03 off the national 0.01 off the national record, which I mean, brutal, but was that the plan to go for something like that? Yeah, we, we knew we had a really good shot at that record just because we had the pieces. Um, I mean, we had two $1,500 All-Americans and an $800 All-American and a very dependable 400 runner. So we knew we could do it. Uh, it was just a matter of sort of when it was going to fit into our schedule um, just because you only have so many BU races. We knew it was going to happen at BU, if anywhere. But then, you know, do you, do you run a DMR the night before individual races and maybe sacrifice some, some fast times and some potential national qualifiers the next day? Um, we decided, yes, <laughs> just because we knew it would be our tickets nationals anyway. So we were, we were definitely eyeing that, that record. Uh, we, we thought we were going to be in a race with a bunch of other teams. Um, unfortunately, that didn't really end up being the case so we just sort of went for it you know you know it was a late race I think it might have been like 10 p.m at BU but that had its own charm to it you know we felt like we were you know definitely having like a a, a moment 
just because it was a very different experience than what we were used to. Um, so yeah, it, it was tough being so close, but we, we all ran pretty well. So we, we were still pretty thrilled with it. Who gets the blame for missing that 0.1 second? Uh, I would like to think I don't get the blame, but I also opened, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I also opened my race in like a 28. So probably me. <laughs> um, uh, I, but I, I think, I think none of us walked away thinking we ran the perfect race. We all had, we all had some things we could have worked on. It is a relay. So when it comes down to 0.01, it's not really any one person's fault. <laughs> yeah. The next day you go and run 405, which is just capping off such a great indoor season. So you have three qualifiers, the DMR, the 3K, and now the mile. Take us through the cluster that was getting to the national meet, finding out the national meet is canceled, and then figuring out how you all were going to get back to Williamstown. Did you, did you guys leave at all? Like we turned around like midway through Virginia, I want to say. Yeah, that was, that week felt like a year, I'm sure for a lot of people. Um, it was definitely a, a roller coaster emotionally for us. Um, we had decided we were driving uh, instead of flying because it was outside of the, radio, the NCAA radius for driving. So we knew it was going to be a, a haul. We found out, I guess, on day two of our trip that school was closing. And we, like, I don't remember exactly where we were, some military academy school in Virginia beautiful indoor track where we had practice really amazing facility but we had just found out like school was canceled so it made for a really really weird you know pre pre-meet workout but we kept going I, we, we made it to North Carolina and the next day you know how how indoor meets go that the track is open the day before the meet most teams go to either do some sort of pre-meet stuff or just check out the space find your warm-up route but having been to JDL, because I had I got the chance to race there earlier in the season, like I knew the I knew our warm-up route, so we didn't really need to to go to the track. Um, and we decided it was not, we thought it wasn't that worth it to go just because it's a closed space, might as well limit our our time with other people. But there ended up being a lot of drama on our team because the, the women's team ended up having a practice. The men's team just sort of had a meeting in a parking lot just to sort of talk about how we felt just because we hadn't done a debrief about school. Um, and we ended up leaving the meeting having decided we were going home. Um, so this is before they canceled the meet. Um, and there was a few, you know, uh, so lapses in communication with the women's team and, and they, they ended up deciding they were going to stay. So we had to go rent vans from the enterprise nearby. And we ended up start starting our drive home without them, which was very, uh, very emotional. Um, I mean, our team is, is large and, and really close and our women's team is really good. <laughs> so there were, there were a lot of people uh, on our team with us there. Um, and it was definitely a hard decision to, to, to forfeit our meet, you know, whether or not there was going to be one, we didn't know at that point. Um, and it was really hard because the group of guys we had was 
the best the best group we had at a national meet in who knows how long for the men's team. I mean, everyone there was, you know, pretty, you know, pretty confident they, they could contend for an All-American position, which was unheard of for, for, our, for our team. Um, I mean, our, our DMR, you know, we, we thought we were going to walk away with the national title. Um, so to, to leave was really difficult. Um, and then a few hours later, we're out of five guys in who knows where, and we saw that the meet was canceled. So it was sort of all for nothing, the, the emotional toll. Um, yeah, and we just beelined it straight back to Williamstown, did it in one day, and uh, it was definitely the quickest 13-hour drive I'd ever done. It, <laughs> it felt, it was, it was, we were definitely high on, on adrenaline and emotion. So it made for, for good conversation and quick driving. Yeah, and uh, you know, that was your last meet experience, uh, bringing us to, uh, to where we are now. Um, how do you think you'll talk about this time, you know, like years down the road? Because it's kind of been marked by missed opportunities. There aren't a lot of silver linings in this really at all. Um, you know, how, how are you dealing with it day to day and how do you think you'll process it and talk about it in years to come? I, I'm not sure how I'll process this <laughs> in years, years from now about, you know, the, the missed, missed time with, you know, the teammates, um, you know, not getting to, to enjoy the, the process with each other. Um, I think, you know, you say there are no silver linings. I think for, for me, I, I, I feel like I do have a pretty strong one just because I now have this, this year to train, um, you know, this extra year. Which, which feels feels like a blessing. And I, I'm incredibly lucky that it's possible for me to, to do this. I know it's not the case for most. They can just take a year off if they please and um, you know, try to find work and just run. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, hopefully, hopefully I'll come out the other side a little fitter than I was going into it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird having having your whole, you know, life for the past however many years of competing since like sixth grade, <laughs> constantly training for something, constantly going to practices and races and having very little time off, very little time in between races um, or in between seasons. And then having just this huge block of uncertainty um, or at least a huge block of just sort of hibernation, I guess. I guess it was going to happen eventually. There was going to be a time where I was didn't have a race on the horizon, so it's interesting to get a little taste of that. Um, it's good to know that I still really love running, just as running is, without racing, and that's been comforting. Just to have to to be reminded that I still have that passion for it, and that it, you know it's still something I can carry with me on my own. Um, so, so that is my silver lining. I know. I hope you also have a silver lining, Noah. <laughs> I know you've had a tough go of it with races, but I'm just trying to be dramatic for it. You know, it's, this is an entertainment podcast, so we've got to go dark sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> On that note of reflection, you know, we this is like a glory days podcast in a way. We've we've haven't talked to too many current athletes. But has this time given you 
the opportunity to reflect back on you know your experience at Williams so far and kind of get excited for your last year, um, hopefully next year of you know what this has been or what this impact has had on you know not only your life but also running kind of like what you just mentioned there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I just count myself super lucky to be in love with running and in love with Williams running. I, I mean, I, I hope it's more common that people love where they are and where they run and who they run with. Um, but I know at least in my case, it's, it's absolutely true that I love Williamstown. I think it's, you know, such a perfect place to be rooted in and to have, to have the, the landscape just to be yours to run on, you know, and, and have such amazing teammates and such a big team that, that all can get behind, you know, just loving to run. So I think that's my biggest, my biggest reflection over these past few months that I'm going to take this year off from Williams so that I can get it back next year, you know, and just having that really strong tether, um, which is a, has been an anchor, you know. Aiden, thank you so much for joining us today. You're a, a great ambassador for your school and uh, for the division, and we'll uh, definitely be cheering you on um, and hopeful that you get this, you do get this year back. But yeah, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Aiden for joining us for this episode of D3 Glory Days. We really enjoyed having him. Thanks to you guys for spending a little bit of your day uh, with our podcast. We always appreciate that. If you're looking to uh, continue the conversation, uh, follow along with us on Twitter, on Instagram, and our website. We'll have links to all of those things in the show notes below. We uh, really appreciate your support as we uh, near the end of our first full year as a podcast, it's kind of grown beyond Stu and I's imagination uh, or expectation. So yeah, we're really grateful to have you guys. One more episode for you this year. And until then, here's to the glory days. Mm-hmm.